1: We'd like to take a second to thank our sponsor, Mouser Electronics. Not only does Mouser stock the world's widest selection of semiconductors and electronic components, they also offer an original content series called Empowering Innovation Together. EIT takes a deep dive into the hottest tech trends, and this month, the focus is on industrial automation. Check out podcasts, articles, infographics, video, and more at mouser.com slash empowering innovation. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Engadget podcast. I'm Reviews Editor Sherlyn Lowe.
2: I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardwar.
1: And this week, we're going to look back on the year in tech and talk about what were some of the highlights, especially the winners and losers uh, of this year. If you recall some of the biggest fiascos, there were some things that really impressed you. Those are some of the things we're going to go over this week because it's been a long, long year. Just remember, at the very start of this year, we had just, uh, just to, you know, something at the Capitol. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like a long, long mm-hmm. time ago. I don't want to bring up some past trauma for some of us uh, too much here. But it,
2: seems, it feels like it went by pretty quickly, to be it, honest, but it, there was so yeah. much that happened. I it, can't remember everything. Yeah. The
1: year zoomed by, but it managed to squeeze in a lot, and we will be talking about all of that. Sadly, some of the winners we've had to name were not... Well, we were happy with naming. <laughs> we will get to that in a little bit. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on your podcast catcher of choice, leave us a review please on iTunes. And uh, if you have the time uh, every morning, every Thursday morning on uh, the Engadget YouTube channel, we actually broadcast the recording of the Engadget podcast live. So come join us over there. We have a nice little group of um, audience members that chat with us and ask us their questions and you get to hear us answer them in real time. It's always fun. So we hope to see you there. So, let's start with the winners of 2021 in tech. And this is a this is a list that I think maybe may get a little controversial. Uh and and we'll get to the controversial bit maybe in a little bit. I will start with um one of the less obvious winners, specifically Windows 11. We named Windows 11 a winner. Davinder, do you want to tell us like your thoughts? I know you reviewed Windows 11 this year. Why do you think Microsoft won with Windows 11 in 2021?
2: I mean, it's, a, it's hard to say. I'm not saying it's a knockout uh, OS or yeah. anything, but Windows 11, I actually scored it lower than Windows 10 in my review. I saw. Um, but, yeah, as far as, like, you know, a step forward for Windows uh, visually and aesthetically, I think it's kind of interesting. It is a step backwards in terms of usability and some mm-hmm. things. Like, I still have issues with the, the new taskbar, and I know a lot of people do. Um, but it is interesting to see Microsoft just, like, push this thing out there. I also don't think, um, I, r- I really think they, d- they didn't really plan on releasing a Windows 11 this year. And I feel like with the way Windows 10X went down and you know the pause on dual screen devices, which that OS variant was supposed to focus on, a lot of what we see in Windows 11 was supposed to be Windows 10X. And this just feels like, hey, they did this design work and uh, it kind of makes sense. Now is a good time for Microsoft to push forward. To a slightly newer, slightly you know more modern, and maybe a more secure OS 2. So you know it's been rolling out. There haven't been too many major issues. So I'll call that a win for Microsoft. Um, but yeah, not everything they did was a win this year. So yeah, we'll we'll get into some of that.
1: Oh, for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, I, I would like to say that just because we're talking about Windows 11 first, by the way, on on this episode, doesn't mean that Windows 11 is like the biggest winner of 2021. Yeah. We have other winners. We'll get to that. We'll make it clear. We're just kind of organizing things a little differently for this episode, uh, there will be a written article of this coming out soon. I also wanted to talk about these lists um, ahead of them being published, partly because, hey, we we would always love to get your feedback, your, you know, as mm-hmm. one of our podcasts.
2: Maybe we missed something. I yeah, exactly.
1: You're one of our <laughs> trusted... Uh, Audience members, we love hearing what you think. Anyway, Windows 11 is is one of them. Um, And like you said, right, they they do seem to be... It it does seem to be bringing about, like, the beginning of something interesting. At least, even if not just for, like, laptops and traditional form-factor devices it at least seems to be setting the stage for more different styles of devices to come. What do you think about that?
2: I mean, I don't know. Like, no? <laughs> Yeah, there, there's no much, cha- there's not much of a change here for dual-screen devices.
1: What about that multi-screen thing?
2: Multi-screen thing is fine. Like, it's better with multi-monitors, but multi-monitor users, you know, there's a very specific type of pro user. So uh-huh. I, the things Microsoft needs to focus on is, like, hey, making a better tablet experience for Windows, making a better, like, um, you know, uh, experience for ARM devices because mm-hmm. those are the kinds of computers people have been trying to push out there—thinner mm-hmm. uh, and lighter machines. So, I feel like all this is kind of work towards getting us there. But yeah, I I think Microsoft has a lot of work to do, and this just shows like Windows 10 launched in what 2015, 2016. So it's probably about time for them to kind of refocus a little. This is a more secure OS and they're doing certain things like requiring secure boot, requiring, you know, more hardware within a system to make windows more secure. And I do wonder if they've been looking at a lot of the like ransomware attacks and a lot of the, like, um, there's been a lot more cyber attacks going around and a lot of that stuff hasn't been publicized. It's mainly focused on companies, but I do wonder if Microsoft is just thinking, Hey, we we need to get ahead of a lot of this stuff. And by requiring more security, that'll make computers you know safer in the long run. That's true. But yeah, I think the upgrade process for many people, it's one of those things. I don't think anybody's talking about Windows 11 anymore. The only people that are are computer nerds. And maybe you'll buy a new computer and it'll be there and you'll be like, hey, that's different. This is like a prolonged thing. Most people have not seen Windows 11 yet.
1: Exactly. Um,
2: but it's been relatively smooth so far. So I give them credit for that
1: good 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 on microsoft for that so i mean i think we can we can save some of the details for for the written article when that's ready um we'll move on to some of the other winners on this list and then by the way these uh what we talk about today aren't the exhaustive complete list we we brought some highlights to the table and i want to talk about one obvious winner this year home fitness tech i think that home fitness Mm. tech well it's kind of a winner last year but this year yeah. it really just It, took it totally off. was.
2: We totally brought it up last year. I think yeah. for the same reason. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think even more this year you, you've seen companies like Peloton um I guess Bowflex probably, but also SoulCycle, Equinox, <laughs> all make their own, you know, at-home yeah. devices, at-home services. And and don't just think about the gadgets or machines that you can keep at home for your home gym. We we're also thinking services like Fitness Plus, uh, you know, Apple Fitness Plus. We're thinking Peloton uh, workout subscription uh, service as well. Lots of different, you know, Fitness studios, mm-hmm. I guess, gyms, yoga studios, et cetera, et cetera, all just really stepping up their game to bring these uh, at-home exercise or workout videos, just yeah. making them better, making them work on more platforms.
2: The VR, the VR oh exercise stuff, like Supernatural has been super hot. So right? successful. So, so successful. I mean, face, Oculus bought Supernatural because of that. You know, it's it's really interesting space. How I know you've tried a bunch, a bunch of these subscriptions for Lynn. Like, is there one you really like and that you're really impressed with?
1: I I mean I'm still pretty impressed with the fitness with Apple's fitness plus right because it's, like it's
2: good when it works yeah it's
1: it's it, yeah and mostly for the fact that it ties into the TV the Apple TV box mm-hmm. so well and mm-hmm. the Apple Watch so well um yeah. not to be like a sucker for the ecosystem thing but it it <laughs> work, when it works seamlessly it You're, works nicely this entire
2: year has been the slow dawning for sure that having <gasps> no. a kind of a close uh, a slightly more <laughs> locked in ecosystem where one company is building all the stuff like yeah it can it can create no. a more cohesive experience yeah <laughs> is using no. an iphone as her main right now she is wearing an apple this watch is not true. like <laughs> oh yeah,
1: that's yeah not true.
2: this is all true um <laughs> I, I like Apple Fitness Plus. The one thing that I will say is that the the synchronization sometimes isn't great. Sometimes I lose mm. sync with my watch and mm. the workout on my TV. And then it like it doesn't save where you are at. It kind of restarts. It just kind of freaks out. So there are certain things that don't work well. But when sure, it, when, yes. it, when it's on fire, like it, it is it is pretty hot.
1: Yeah, for me, because again, small space and you, I've never really had any issues with dropping uh, connections like that, it, it's been good. And the only complaint I've really had was that like the workouts for some of them that I'm pretty advanced in, they're not too difficult. They're not difficult enough. But for the rest of them, like core or hit, they're really good. Anyway, and like you you rightly pointed out, VR fitness is also heating up. I mean, Supernatural is a good example because it's just one of the better ones out there. But there's plenty of, like, VR boxing simulators or, like, I don't know, VR gym type things. And then companies like Tonal, Tempo, just kind of becoming more and more familiar names within the industry. Sure. So so there's just a lot of developments.
2: It's intriguing. Like, it, once we get to the point with AR glasses, right? Like, mm. and I've tested some of that stuff. I talked about the the Ray-Ban, you know. Stories, uh, Things yeah. with the cameras, the yeah. Ray-Ban stories. But... Once you get, like, an environment where you're not just trapped in VR and you can still see virtual things amongst the real world, like, I think that's going to lead to some really cool games, but -hmm. also really cool, like, VR experiences. Like, you... You know, fighting a video game character or fighting a boss that looks like they're standing right there in the room with you, there yeah. can be re- some really cool stuff there for yeah, for exercise and for everything. Yeah, yeah,
1: that brings us right into I think the next section of winners, uh, and where we're bundling this together because these are the winners that we kind of like are <laughs> mad at ourselves that we have to like kind of call these things winners. But
2: sure, they they won. They, they kind sure, of won. Whatever.
1: Starting with them. you, pitched this one, Davindra, the metaverse. It's Yeah. A- it's a winner.
2: I mean, it's it's more like the, con- the term, the metaverse, it's been a very good year for the term, the metaverse. Maybe the whole thing about having like a virtual internet that you can go into or something that, you know, follows you from device to device. That's really what the metaverse is trying to be. And uh, the idea that Facebook pitches is that it's like a step beyond mobile internet. It is a world where you're always connected. No matter what device you're on, your kind of experiences move between devices. And maybe eventually, yeah, you could put on a VR headset. But this year... I think the big thing is just like the name Metaverse has been something everybody has been talking about. You know, Facebook changed its name to Meta. That's not that's not something a company does lightly. Uh, a name change like that is very, you know, it's very rare for big companies. And it does signify where Facebook is headed, um, even if I don't know how well they're going to succeed. I don't know if any of this stuff is going to work out. But once Facebook started talking about that, then everybody was like, everybody started talking about their metaverse plans and how they're viewing it and it's 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 not just a buzzword because I do think everybody is thinking about the next stage of connectivity and communication Microsoft's metaverse involves teams and Microsoft's mesh and you know virtual meetings um I know Intel has sucked and they've talked a little bit about it and I think we're going to hear more soon Nvidia is talking about a metaverse for um, they're talking about like Build, uh, having the building blocks for building avatars for, for the metaverse and everything. So yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think the metaverse as an idea will actually be the thing a lot of these companies are pitching, but it is interesting to see a lot of them focus on the concept of metaverse right now.
1: Basically, we're going to hear a lot more about this next year, probably, mm-hmm. right? Um,
2: Over the, I mean, the next 10 years, like this is setting the stage for, this is like in the early 90s where people start, first started talking about the World Wide Web And we didn't know what that would mean, you know, and in the mid 90s, the idea, yeah, the idea that you would be buying stuff online, even that seemed like a foreign concept. It didn't seem like something that was actually a thing. And then Amazon grew and grew and grew and then everything had to be online. So, you know, I think we're amidst one of those shifts. Um, I hope this is not a terrifying shift into like. Inevitable control By all these companies Um, I I still love having a free and open internet And I hope we can do that with the metaverse
1: We shall see Something else Mm -hmm. that made our winners list That we were reluctant about um, That also I can't tell if it has legs For beyond this year or not (laughs) Right? Uh, And everybody Hold your breath and cringe with me When I say this One of the winners in 2021 NFTs Oh, yeah. I, I apologize yeah. for the pain you feel right now.
2: I think you pronounce it as un-f-ts. umfts, Sherlin, right? Um-f-ts. Um-f- um-f- yeah. Um-f-
1: um-f- um-f- <laughs> Sorry. Good morning.
2: That's the way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to do it.
1: <laughs> NFTs or non fungible tokens are I don't even there's been so many memes about mm. NFTs. There's been so many been memes. So We did a
2: whole episode p- about this, right? We did a full Go back episode. go back and listen to our NFT episode. Exactly. Yeah. That was good.
1: It was a good explainer into it. We have a good explainer by Daniel Cooper uh, on our site as well. If you want to get caught up on what an NFT is and kind of all the nitty gritty of how it works, um, but not to go too far into it in, during this discussion, you know, just to kind of recap what has happened since then, everything, ev- everyone's getting into NFTs now.
2: Everything. The everything. apes. The apes have grown. The apes um, have had an actual event in New York where a lot of people came and the I think the market value for overall NFTs now ranges in certainly millions could be billions I don't know if I believe that number um, it's all it's all insanity it's all pure craziness right now and um, yeah I, I don't know what to think about it I kind of hate everything but I also see a lot of startup bros a lot of investors and uh, people in the art world who are more into the like the selling of art you know the the actual marketplace of art. Are intrigued by this. This also reminds me why I hate um, I hate the art world. Like I I did um, I visited Art Basel like maybe five years ago in Miami, which is like the big the big like yeah. hip modern art thing, and it's, it was just like insufferable. I hated all of it. And now we've turned that whole like push for insufferable art into and those were actually people creating things, and now we're having like computer generated images of the goddamn apes. Are now worth millions i don't i don't i can't even with any of this stuff
1: not to say that there isn't some inherent value in a a secure way to authenticate art and to ensure that the owner has the rights to their art that sort of thing there is value Uh. in that i just expected (laughs) the nft craze the the absolute ridiculous you know, minting of anything as an NFT to go away Mm -hmm. by now. And it hasn't. And I think that sort of staying power is where it gives me pause and I have to be like, maybe, maybe there might be here to stay in a way that blockchain has stayed, um, Mm -hmm. you know, in spite of me thinking they might have been a craze when I first started hearing about them, right? So
2: it's the amount of money. It's the money involved right now that makes it like, okay, this is serious. I don't, I hate it. I don't, I don't, I will not own an NFT probably, but um clearly something is happening so we're just paying attention yeah
1: yeah uh, and and if you're, you're you know you've you've been covering your ears this entire time not wanting to hear about <laughs> nfts la, la, <laughs> this la, la, la. this we're gonna move on to the next thing for now but if you have any other thoughts about nfts again feel free to send it our way podcast at engadget.com um the last, I hope, of our cringeworthy winners of twenty twenty one, and this one's not that cringeworthy at all. It's just kind of like funny uh, how much this was mm-hmm. a winner this year, guys. Remember GameStop? Uh- yeah,
2: I do. Which was actually tied to a lot of the early wave of NFT stuff too. Like yes. there was a lot of like speculative investors trying to pump up money and value of things that. The whole GameStop story, we also did an episode about this, so be sure to go check that out. It's all kind of a mess. And yeah, it it didn't actually mean anything for GameStop, ultimately. Yeah.
1: I mean, their share price, the last I checked, was still like $170, something dollars, which is significantly more Mm -hmm. than, you know, before all of that uh, shorting of GameStop stock. That's a tongue twister (laughs) this early in the morning for me. Uh, Yeah, which, which, uh, you know, higher than what it was before all of this happened i see that as kind of a win for them in part because you know the fact that people still value them at that price regardless of the memeiness and the you know fleetingness of all that happened shows that like i mean it depends on how much of that would translate to real money for them but i know that they also had plans to like with all the new game titles coming in and all that stuff like they could have good returns for their investors and stuff like that. They were promising decent performance this year. Um, but I feel like had they not gotten all of that attention and all of that, like, you know, jumping up of their their share price, they they may not have been able to sustain or, or gain that confidence that they might have now. And I, I honestly still don't know if they have real, like, investor confidence or if people are just, yeah.
2: It's not, it wasn't, it wasn't a real push in value for their stock. So it's like, I don't. It's you're not doing better because your business is better. You know, it's all it's all just kind of fake. And a lot of this stuff has just made me really disillusioned with the state of how financial markets and everything works. The same thing happened to AMC, too, which was a company, you know, theater company that was in bitter, bitter, like almost bankrupt. They got some extra funding in. Their stocks also got pumped up by these crazy schemes. And now they're doing well. They're doing well enough to have like a 20 million dollar ad starring Nicole Kidman walking around empty theaters, you know. So I don't. I don't I don't even know what's happening, but I hopefully we've learned something from this. You know, that that's my main thing.
1: <laughs> I think the thing we've learned from this is that, you know, power of mm-hmm. the people, right? Like when people <laughs> band together to do whatever they want or, or, or what they yeah. don't, you know want, yeah, they <laughs> they can do a lot. And speaking of, uh thanks to our producer, I think we we've got some more recent stats on GameStop stock. So they're $163 as of right now of this recording. Although on the first Monday of this year, which is before all of this started, I guess, uh yeah, their stock price was $17. Uh also, Ben our producer is pointing out that the GameStop slogan is power to the players, which it's kind of an appropriate story right now, right? Like,
2: okay. Sure. Nice. Fine. I hate GameStop as a company, so <laughs> sure. Okay. Whatever you say.
1: Okay, moving on to a couple of other winners on our list. These are a little less reluctant, but they're also winners Mm -hmm. with caveats. Um, Yeah, things you like, yeah. Things that that we just liked on the team, uh, despite a few quirks here and there. So one of the (laughs) things I'm shouting out is something that I also saw uh, mentioned in our live stream chat, which is the Google Pixel 6 Pro. Now, yay! yeah. Good to good on you, Google, for making a phone that I feel like is the you know is a really great canvas for its strengths. So, great camera, great you know software. Tensor as a chip is performing well this far into the game for me. I'm, I'm like a few months into using the Pixel Six Pro, not as my main, but I carry it around a lot. The, the I need to say that like me and a lot of people who were former Pixel fans or at least have been Pixel fans before this do not like its size. We still have an issue with that. The fingerprint sensor thing is a little bit solved now. I feel like people just kind of needed to get used to it and Google needed to address some of the issues which it you know, did over, over and over the air update, I believe. But here's how I know the Pixel 6 Pro is a winner, right? When I go to a fun event, like a dinner birthday dinner or like yeah. a, a, yeah. a hangout with friends or whatever or, or go on a nice mm-hmm. walk right I, I make sure to grab it with me why because i know i want to take great pictures i know i want to you know i i wish i used it i wish i used it as my main more because it make the voice typing truly is actually a nicer experience you wish you used
2: it as your main what is it's almost like something is stopping you and the compelling size. you to go to I the other side yeah
1: no, yeah. no, no, no. There, we could talk about the iPhone in a little bit because, <laughs> yeah, this is on our list too. Not, not. Yeah. But anyway, um, but the Pixel <laughs> Six Pro, honestly, for Google, the other selling point of this, the other really good thing that Google managed to do, is to keep it priced where it is, right? It's like 200 dollars cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. For what it's been able to do, it's it's really a great return to form, I think, for Google after like two years of kind of disappointing Pixel releases. Uh, you know, outside of the A series, this this truly is, I think, a very promising sign for Google that that is, Pixel phones can be really great. They just they've heard a lot of the feedback we've given now about the size. I'm sure next year we'll see a smaller one that's still as good as the big one. So yeah, uh, Pixel Six Pro. Hopefully, this is this is you know great for Pixel fans and probably very good news Android for Android
2: in general. I think this is the first Android phone in a long time where I'm like, I, I would like to play with this. You know, Ooh. I would like to spend some time with this. I would love, I wish it were easier just to like go between different platforms, but it's not, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's not that tough to just like swap your SIM out and stuff, but I wish I could just like pick up a device and being like, hey, move my cellular over here for this day while I go walk around with this thing. Maybe someday we'll get there. I don't know.
1: I know. I, I hope so too. Right now, yeah. Is mm-hmm. it, it, There are some apps, <coughs> WhatsApp, <coughs> that make it really hard for me to like <laughs> switch between mains very easily. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I wish I could do that more.
2: It used to be that WhatsApp had to connect to your PC, right? To use the desktop app. And now they've done stuff so that you don't even need to do that anymore. So they're working on like, Making their network a little more, you know, it's always been secure, but a little less dependent on a single device. Yeah, so.
1: it's still SIM locked is part of the issue. Yeah. And when it's SIM yeah. locked, the um, back, I don't know, Google has announced that it's been working on a way to make transferring between iOS and Android devices, uh, have your WhatsApp mm-hmm. history follow between the two a little easier. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Right now, though, it's still not there. And that's why, I, like, the second I switched to iPhone with my WhatsApp, it's like, I guess I'm on <laughs> iPhone now. Which, to be honest, is a good way to force me to use iPhone because otherwise I would just use Pixel all the time. Yeah, yeah. Also,
2: you can finally text me in iMessage and not be (laughs) a brain bubble. You know.
1: Uh, Speaking of iMessage, Apple had to kind of be a winner on our list this year, Uh if for few other reasons than, and this is me making a very personal (laughs) statement. I don't think that eventually our you know ultimate argument is going to be just this, but Apple TV Plus. Won hard this year. Why? Tet Lasso. On the strength of Tet Lasso alone, mm-hmm. I feel like TV Plus. I, 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 Garner, feel, I still
2: feel like that, that was mostly a last year win, but yeah, it carries yeah. over to this year.
1: This year there was a good season too. Yeah. And then, you know, there's other shows on there that are pretty good too. Mythic Quest, I think For All Mankind, a lot of people were talking about. Um, Mythic
2: Quest, I guess they did have a new season. They I was, did. I was trying to think, like, did they make something new? It was yeah. mid
1: pandemic. <laughs> But that was that felt mm-hmm. like last year. Look, it's it's hard to yeah. distinguish between the two years, <laughs> and you are right. The the it's uh uh you know you could all consider that a last mm-hmm. year win just because like you know the first season may not necessarily have been launched this year.
2: It's it's all the same stuff too. I would say this year the big pick is for all mankind, which transformed into being like an incredible TV show. Because when Apple yeah. TV Plus launched, it
1: was, it was fine, not so great. It was a yeah. fine
2: like little alternate yeah. history thing, but now it's like oh, the year yeah. year. Going places. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and more and more good original content coming out on Apple TV Plus. Since then, mm-hmm. we've seen a lot of just improvement in the quality of their shows. Good on them. But we're not here just to talk about TV Plus. I think Apple has also continued to show. I think this is a story for Apple of continuing the, and I hate to say this because it sounds like I'm <laughs> marketing for them, but just continuing some excellent work, right? I almost say continued yeah. excellence. And I'm just like, no, this is too marketing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. We chose a lot of their products, but I feel like the, the things that really kick butt this year are the the M1 chips. Yes. Right. It's the M1 Pro and the M1 Max, and yes. kind of how they led to a phenomenal redesign of the MacBook Pro. And go check out my reviews of those things. They're good. Yeah. Really good. Really fast. Yeah.
1: yeah. I exactly. So anyhow, that is that is one of the winners on our list. We'll get into more of the details, but like the venture pointed out, M1 chips were or some of the reason that Apple uh, continued to wow us this year. And the Apple Watch is still. The best smartwatch around in spite of Wear OS 3. Yeah, that big screen is lovely.
2: You know how I can tell the M1 chips are doing really well is like I'm looking around at like AMD and Intel and their announcements and the way they're hustling to do things. And I could just see everybody sweating. <laughs> and when one company makes everybody else sweat, that's yeah. how you know, OK, they're onto something. So Intel, you know, they launched their 12th generation chips, but they're not kind of on our list this year because they're fine. We haven't seen many computers with them yet. We don't know how well how well they're really compared to a lot of the stuff Apple's working on. So, hey, yeah, competition is good. It's good to it's good for Apple to make everybody sweat this time.
1: So, a uh, quick shout to one of the um, remaining other winners on our list. And again, this is not an exhaustive, complete list, but actually, it's pretty pretty complete. But this is not a fully complete list. But anyway, one of the other uh, items on our winners list is. Disney Plus, uh, also got just kind of a huge jump this year. You know, a lot of a lot more subscribers added, a lot of good shows, a lot of titles, despite some controversy. You know, with with paying their their actors and stuff like that. Or I don't know if that's them or the studios. I'm not as wired into the entertainment. That space. was
2: that's a whole thing. It's a whole thing, but
1: but you know, Disney Plus. Be- you know for a fairly late entrant to the streaming service (laughs) game did pretty well with with a bunch of new you know mcu shows this year and new animation shows and then we've got disney day showing us how much other content is coming up to look forward to if you're a fan of their content so just look out for that uh a listing on our winners list as well so i mean are you
2: watching anything on disney plus charlaine
1: Oh yeah, I like find, I've yeah. I've actually found myself, uh, just watching more stuff because I've I've bought Disney Plus now because I had to watch all the <laughs> MCU shows. So I've enjoyed all. You already. had to, you yeah. Had to. I, had to. I had to. There was gun to your I head. Like, and you had while. no choice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like Luca. I I mean Luca. I watched half of. I just couldn't finish it because not really my thing. But I I managed to watch. Yeah, I saw M- Maleficent, all of it. Even though it was like okay, <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, I rewatched a lot of my you know favorite classics and that sort of thing. So, so it's 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 like our producer pointed out, it's not surprising because they've got good content. It's not surprising that they did well with all the Marvels. It's the library.
2: It's the yeah, power it's of their library. library and the fact that they've done some like quick releases.
1: Yes, that's um, part
2: of it. To to streaming, like there were some day and date, but mostly it was the fact that you know. I don't know I think they kind of led the way in terms of like bringing theatrical releases home not as much as HBO and Warner Brothers because what they they like we're just bringing all their big releases down day and day as theater. Yeah. But it's been an interesting year.
1: For for Disney Plus. And yeah, and it happened really yeah. quickly for Disney Plus. So so lots mm-hmm. lots to see there. Anyway, uh, that's our winners list for this episode of the podcast. Of course, we, like I said, have more uh, in our full coverage coming on Engadget.com soon. Uh, if you have any more ideas for what should be a winner this year, feel free to send it our way at podcast at Engadget.com. Now let's move on to arguably the more fun part of this conversation, <laughs> the losers uh-huh. of 2021, or the people we love to hate. Um, there has been, there ha- been a kind of a shit year, and <laughs> there's been a lot of mm-hmm. shit going on, starting with the chip supply shortage that has been so severe has become another meme. For example, I'm sorry I was late, there was a global chip supply shortage. And Devendra, Yeah. Tell we us have all to about talk this.
2: about a relationship because there's a global <laughs> chip supply shortage. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. We have to yeah. talk. Yes. But go ahead, Dev. Tell me, tell me all about this. What's 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 happening and what's being impacted, which just sounds like everything.
2: People have been talking about this for a while. So the, the story is that because of the increased demand on chips for cars and PCs and everything, um, that has been dwindling the supply from chip suppliers and chip suppliers haven't been able to build as much as they normally do because they're dealing with scalebacks in the workforce and other issues like just producing stuff during the pandemic. So it's like a two-pronged problem that is apparently going to be with us for a while. Um I'm i have ta- talked to analysts who are like initially in April they were thinking um maybe maybe this will last until, you know, 2022, maybe we'll get out of it by then. Now they're thinking like 2023 because we're at the end of 2021. Not much has really changed. The supply hasn't really gotten better. Um, The things that could fix this would be like companies creating and building new fabrication plants, new fabs. That is a several-year process. So Intel announced it's going to be doing that. They're spending like $20 billion on some fabs in America. But it's going to be years before those are up and running and producing any hardware. So basically... We're going to be living with this for a while. Car prices are kind of one of the big things affected. I don't know if you've been trying to shop for a car. Use, the used car market has blown up. Like everything is more expensive. Buying a new car is really tough. There's never enough stock. Um, I think a lot of people are going to have to get used to using their older hardware for a little longer. Um, the frivolous sort of like upgrade every year for things. Maybe maybe we should just avoid that for a little and maybe we can learn a lesson about extending the lives of our electronics a little because of this but yeah it's not fun and it's gonna be with us for a while
1: Jonathan Anderson in our live stream chat points out uh Frito-Lay must be really ticked off because of this <laughs> chip supply shortage I want to say Jonathan Anderson get out you're get out. banned get very out. bad joke I'm kidding I that mean you can actually... ban
2: people from the chat very easily. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's, that's a good one but get out anyhow yes the global chip supply shortage uh, makes losers of all of us this year. But, you know, and, and as far as losers of this list go, let's be honest. First of all, we are all the losers this year. Let's let's put that up front. But when we get to the specifics, it's because of things like the global chip supply shortage. And mm-hmm. then there's also screw 5G, because 5G, screw you. I continue to get my hopes up and I continue to be let down every year and I'm still mad at 5G,
2: as somebody who's reported on 5G, it's here? Question mark. It's not great.
1: Here's here's what's happening. Okay, let me just tell you uh-huh, why 5G uh-huh. is a loser, my boy. I am so angry. I'm shivering. I mm-hmm. <laughs> the <laughs> fact that, and I don't really remember if this happened with LTE. It might have, but yeah. the fact that when yeah. I go into a briefing and someone's like, "Oh, it's five. This device is 5G enabled," <laughs> and I had to be like, "Do you mean sub six, your millimeter wave, or mid band?" Is everything supported? Like, the fact that I have to be specific and ask about these things each time— and the fact that the manufacturers or the, the representatives can't give me a straight answer all the time. They, they don't know. They just straight don't know. There's it, a problem. It's annoying.
2: It's it's a problem in deployment. It's a problem, it's a problem in like what technologies devices support. LTE, like um, yeah, Sherlin, was a baby in college <laughs> yes. when LTE was rolling out. Okay. <laughs> I am so a baby. this was pre-her reporting days. But yeah, when LTE was rolling out, um, it was hey, look, this thing is fast. It was pretty simple. This right. this real fast. Yeah, yeah and and it was. The the phones were like hey, this big phone goes real fast. It was very <laughs> simple to get. Um, there were some things of like AT and T trying to fake 4G. Again. They had like 4G yep. plus, which was mm-hmm. just like what was it H, H- HSPA plus or something. It plus, was like plus, yeah. three and a half G technology to fake 4G. That was the like biggest controversy we had. Beyond that, LTE was it was a pa- It was a battery drain. It took a while for companies to really get into it. But, you know, we, we got there. And it was pretty simple. Like, everybody wanted LTE. Yeah.
1: Exactly. So we're there. And I don't know how long the deployment fully really took for LTE. But we were promised 5G rollouts in 2020, <laughs> sure. And I and I will yeah. grant that they, they did sort of beat that target a little bit with the, you know, early releases in 2019 and stuff like that. And it
2: doesn't ca- It doesn't count. Bringing like one antenna to a city doesn't count.
1: Yeah. And then let's also ignore ATT's whole like 5G-E thing or 4G. <laughs> I forget what the hell. Whatever. <laughs> Screw you, at I'm sorry. Uh, Verizon I mean, owns I was, us and I, they I'm didn't on, pay me to say that. Um, anyway. I'm part on of
2: Verizon they part and they don't own us anymore. But yeah. 10% of us. Yeah. I'm on Verizon. I was just walking around New York. I'm back in New York for the week and... I just I saw a new five G label. It was like five G U. I yeah. Yeah, I was like, what? What is that?
1: So 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 here that's part of the whole thing. So okay okay. So again, I need to calm down before I say this. So I don't know if you saw U W or if you saw like I saw U W. Okay, is that ultra wideband? Yes, ultra yeah. White Band on Verizon. That's what they are calling. It. I'm on T-Mobile because I I was like stick it to the parent company and didn't ever switch. And they have this thing called UC, and I'm like, what on what the hell? I report on five G. I don't even know what the heck UC you means you know. in that context. Why are there? I so also many saw different-
2: UW. I was I was walking down the street around Madison Square um, Park, I'm at Madison Square Park, and. Yeah. I saw UW. I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." Speed test. Speed test. What, what is happening here? By the time the speed test launched, it just said five
1: G. Gone. Yeah. But it's also <laughs>
2: like you never, you never know when you're in the good five G, when you're in the bad, when you're in normal five G, and it's like, yeah, uh, we're paying more for this. I'm paying slightly more to get five G. There's no
1: reason, Nothing really. Happening. And then yeah. sometimes I'm just out and about, and it's on five G, and I just can't open mm-hmm. a website. <laughs> it just won't load. I don't know why. Anyway. I
2: don't. Yeah. As you can tell, five G bad. Are,
1: yeah, any very many reasons five G is very disappointing. Continues to be a well is a loser this year because it continues to be such a mess. Like I was willing to give it a pass last year, but it's it, we're two years on from when we were promised five G, and no, this is not here. So, also would like to shout out our uh, live chat live stream chat uh, member Willso, who says that they currently work in telecommunications. And mm. as a person that works in telecommunications, they say let yeah. me say screw 5G.
2: I've been reporting on 5G since 2012. I've Same. seen demos at Mobile World Congress and it was like those were cool demos. Where where is it? Show me show me the proof of this technology being really good and uh, it is is not there. We also saw the news about several uh, carriers have to like lower the performance of their networks because it's causing interference with like aviation equipment too. So it's like yeah, we should have we should have thought about this before we started deploying it. We just need to have a whole episode of just like
1: <laughs> of going 5G off rage. about five G. <laughs> yeah,
2: five G rage. Yeah.
1: Okay, let's move on to things that might make me less mad mm-hmm. or actually bring my blood pressure up even more. This is <laughs> one of the obvious losers of the year: Activision Blizzard. Davinder, do you want to tell people why?
2: I mean, it's it's everything we've, we've talked this. about this on the show too, yes. but it is um, – it's the lawsuit from California on Activision Blizzard about the the workplace harassment and the way they didn't support um, the women who uh, who worked there. Like it was a toxic environment. Then there is the recent reporting too about the CEO who was well aware of everything that was happening and in many cases tried to hide it from the board and from the public. And it is a lot of those things that it just shows us like, man, that place – is kind of a cesspool. People have been talking about it as a cesspool and nothing has happened because the HR department there was more interested in just like ignoring, you know, ignoring employee complaints, um, covering up for the execs and just like making it a not great place to work. Um, Yeah, it's, it sucks. It sucks for Activision Blizzard. I hope like, I hope they face some consequences because it's really endemic of the state of the gaming industry and just how hostile Gaming mm-hmm. is continues to for be. women, especially, and continues yeah. to be, and it's, it's not just games too. It's like it's the entire workforce. Like there, there was a story going around on Twitter about like um, things are legally required, like lactation rooms, so women can pump their milk. Mothers can pump their milk. They had issues with the the sanitation in those rooms and access to those rooms. And people were stealing breast milk that they had like labeled and set aside and just like generally gross, terrible things because most of the people who work there are just dudes like dudes who don't care about anything, you know? So yeah, it sucks consequences. I'd love to see them.
1: That. And I think one of our staff members just kind of called out, <laughs> you know, lots of AAA game companies as being a, you know, general bad, bad,
2: yep. I'll bet. This I'll year. Bet.
1: So, so there's a lot to dig into there, but we have Just Contest going to write up our, our little entry for that on our losers of the year list. So so stay tuned for that. She will you know, give you a nice tidy summary about what happened. Another big loser of the year, which uh, one of our live stream viewers shouted out earlier before we started this conversation, is, yes, Facebook, a.k.a. Meta. Definitely, definitely lost big this year.
2: Lost so big they had to change their name. Like, that's what happened.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, the continued mess that is Facebook, right, since mm-hmm. – for, for years now, actually. But this year in particular, the whole, like, papers that got exposed that showed how little they cared about the detrimental effect they were having on their users really just brought their shitty behaviors to the forefront of the conversation. It's not and,
2: great. Mm-hmm.
1: Triggered a lot of uh, 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 hearings and a lot of important conversations that had to be had. And then the way they just reacted to all of it was, like, again, not great. And unsurprisingly not great. The fact that they decided to discredit people, reporters who got their hands on the papers and say that this was all, like, a a PR thing, like... Huh, don't you have a PR team? Like there's just a lot that they went on with Facebook. The Venture Their like,
2: PR yeah. response was to ignore it and yeah, shame people as liars who were trying to report on it. So you guys you guys we've talked about some of this about the Facebook papers on the podcast, but you should go back and try to like look up some of these stories because if you there's so much news, it's easy to like miss a lot of the stuff that's happening. But oh yeah, what Facebook has been doing as they've been building and growing is like it's it's inexcusable in many cases. And it's no wonder uh, Zuckerberg is just like, I'm escaping to the metaverse because I don't want to fix this.
1: That's what a lot of people are saying, right? That the, the rebrand to meta feels like it might be sort of a tr- attempt at distraction. And I don't know if necessarily it was, but if it's an It's not a successful attempt if it was an attempt at distraction because people are still going to –
2: It's weird. It's weird because they talk about product announcements at the same time as they avoid talking about, like, how they're going to fix these issues. And I don't know if, like – a lot of this, honestly, are issues um, that every – big social network is facing. Twitter has faced it. Google faces it on YouTube and whatnot of just like you built this thing that's so big and so wildly successful, except you have to maintain that thing. You have to keep people safe. You have to moderate content. And that is, it's a really hard thing to do. And the willingness to do it doesn't really seem to be there with Facebook. And uh, yeah, they'd rather actively hide um, issues and not really deal with them rather than try to be realistic about things. So I know government oversight sounds nice. Yeah. I,
1: <laughs> the other thing too, I mean there's there's a lot to this like the said and, and our previous coverage might help you you, you ca- get a bit more up to speed on it, but part of it is like Facebook just is so huge that it's just very hard to escape uh any of its products and therefore it has greater responsibility to to really maintain the safety of its platforms but it just doesn't seem like the said it inclined to do so and then no but it's it's one little show of kind of trying to say yeah we're going to we're going to make sure we're responsible by instituting this oversight board I, I don't even know how useful that actually was this year
2: it hasn't been useful like their first major decision i feel like they pushed that right back to to facebook right. and to zuckerberg to like Yeah, yeah, a company kind of oversee themselves. Uh, There's a reason why every major industry, you know, requires government regulation. Like that's why the FCC exists. That's why the FDA exists. Like we we need to start treating and thinking about social media companies as like these public goods or these these things that we need a government that's smart enough to kind of deal with what's happening. And I think the the hearings with the Instagram CEO doesn't quite give me faith that we'll get there, but. You know, we need to keep trying because these companies got so big so fast and they're way too powerful and can't control themselves. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And speaking of uh, Facebook or Meta, um, another loser Mm -hmm. this year, and this is something you pointed out to me, Devendra, was Oculus. Mm -hmm. Um, Just as a brand, they're going away. (laughs) Sadly for them, I guess. Are you sad about this, Dev?
2: Oculus is the brand. It's, It's kind of the loser because what happened is that after the Meta rename happened, um, we we're all like, oh, okay, cool. I get it. I get why Facebook is doing this. And then in like a Facebook post, not even like an official blog post or something, uh, Andrew Boss, Bosworth, the CTO and like the head of the VR stuff was just like, we're retiring the Oculus name and the branding. The Oculus Quest is going to be called the MetaQuest. And it's just like a lot of this stuff, which is kind of sad to see because Oculus, um, despite the crappiness of its like original founder, Palmer Luckey is kind of a jerk, Um, as a brand, it did symbolize a lot for the world of VR and the VR community. And
1: Pioneer, yeah.
2: I was sad when I was sad when Facebook bought Oculus because I thought like, oh man, this is kind of the end of this like cool, this cool technology they've been working on. And to its credit, Facebook has invested a lot in VR, but not so much in community, uh, not so much in like building the separate thing. And now everything Oculus is gonna be meta. I suppose that was inevitable. Um, also because I think they realize people Facebook is so toxic as a name and as a concept. People were annoyed when, like, they were saying, like, oh, you got to log in with your Facebook account to use your Oculus Quest. Now you're going to have to log in with your Meta account. And some people were like, oh, thank God. i like, guys, it's, it's the same thing. It's the same thing.
1: We're not just, dumb.
2: They're playing They're playing the card game that they play on the streets where they move things around in the cup on you. Don't be fooled. A shame for Oculus. And honestly, it was probably Oculus was dying because of what... Palmer Luckey kind of ended up doing, and hey, now he's trying to stop illegal immigrants from s- crossing the border.
1: Hey, uh, speaking of border walls and like uh, social platforms, social media yeah. networks, uh, that just <laughs> never ended up coming to pass, have you heard of Truth Social? Has anyone here heard of Truth Social <laughs> no. or remembers what Truth Social is?
2: Yeah, I don't mean, yeah, no. remember what Truth Social is, but tell me. <laughs>
1: Truth Social is the name of this, I don't even, a platform that former President Donald J. Trump was trying to set up. Uh, it was, it up until today... I believe it's still not happening. Uh, <laughs> no, the,
2: the latest story is he's raising more money on like another yes. thing. We're another seeing that it thing.
1: got pushed back yeah. to to maybe launch early next year. Sure, I think he yeah. announced his plans at some point this year after he got kicked the off. The truth of has been Twitter. delayed,
2: everybody. <laughs>
1: yeah, uh, it's it's part of his, uh, you know, I guess his team's uh, effort to quote. Fight, uh, to fight back against quote the big tech companies of Silicon Valley who have used their unilateral power to silence opposing voices in America. Sh- okay, look, there is something about uh, uh, the big tech companies of Silicon Valley needing some regulation and needing a little bit of pushback sometimes. But Not I don't that. know that
2: they they've been bending over backwards to deal with to welcome conservative voices. So no, no, thank
1: yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh you know, so mm. if you've ever seen the truth social website, which is up uh you just you know it's it, the website is up, and if you want to, you yeah. can join the waiting list but if you
2: look if at you want the, the truth from a serial liar please go if for you want to look at the the
1: website's color scheme and their logo and and the fave icon on the website. The, the the logo looks very familiar. Let's just say Facebook <laughs> should be glad they got rid of their, their the Facebook brand, I guess. Uh, because it's, yeah. very um, it's very similar. It's
2: very similar. Speaking of, like, another toxic social network,
1: mm-hmm. how about yeah. that? According to some reports, uh, or at least the latest uh, that we have on this Truth Social, we'll have a beta launch, supposedly in November, for invited guests. I don't know anyone that's been invited,
0: <laughs> so sure. I don't know if this sure. is... A-
1: happening actively Uh right now but they're expecting (laughs) to roll it out nationwide the first quarter of next year good luck we'll keep an eye this has been going on for a while and i haven't Mm -hmm. seen it go anywhere and i don't know what's going to happen
2: Nothing. I don't have. So actually, the the toxic social network I was uh, kind of pointing you to was actually Clubhouse.
1: Indeed, Clubhouse <laughs> is a suggestion from our producer Ben. This is uh, not sure. Sh- I'm Good not call. sure yet if it'll get added to live. Maybe it will. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm still open to.
2: We to, could. Th- to, I mean, as a podcast loser, I totally agree. For Clubhouse sure. Clubhouse should sure. be there. Poor
1: yeah. Club. I don't know if I feel pity for Clubhouse. No, a little not bit. poor
2: Clubhouse. No, no. no <laughs> yeah, no. but
1: but you. Very awful start, yeah.
2: They raised a ton of money for a very simple concept of like, hey guys, let's take a conference call and make it a live, you know, a live stream. Let's call it live voice chat. And uh, they really blew up uh, when in the early pandemic, right? Because people were looking for ways to connect. You couldn't just like go hang out with people. A lot of VCs, especially like Andreessen and Horowitz, were like big on pushing this up and thought like this was, this is the next major social platform. Turns out not not really. And I think a lot of that early buzz was just from it being exclusive. Yes. And it exactly. did the Silicon Valley thing of being like, oh, this is a special club. Like you can't you not you can't come in here. Are you special? Can you come into my clubhouse? Like it was such that like schoolyard garbage. Um whereas the actual tech and the co- the tech behind it is like, okay, cool. Video voice chat that people can jump into and listen to on a broadcast scale. And Twitter looked at that and was like, yeah, we can do that. Discord did it. uh, Twitter Spaces. Discord did it. I mean, that's essentially like what Discord was doing from the beginning, except for not broadcasting. Twitter Spaces is like, I think, a more successful version of what Clubhouse has been doing because I see the conversations aren't always great. You give people a platform, you're going to get a lot of garbage. But I see a lot of Twitter Spaces from prominent people and people talking on that platform. And that is – that's a clear sign. And occasionally I step into Clubhouse and I see what's happening. And I was like, oh, anti-Semitism. Great. Great. On your main page, Clubhouse. Um, yeah. That's what's on the chat topics for tonight. Clubhouse has not really weathered the storm really well. And other, if you produce something that other people can copy very easily, you better need, you better have a backup plan. Like that's the main takeaway here. And I don't think they really did the mm-hmm.
1: content just wasn't good enough they didn't have any prominent creators that like really drew people to a service like that right the they way like
2: celebrities celebrities they came had some, on and i'm like hey i'll check it out yeah,
1: yeah but the other thing is if you're going to make people install a separate app for something that now twitter offers you really have to have like something that draws them in from, yeah. like you know yeah. um so anyway, that, that was the last thing on our list of losers this year. <laughs> um, not, the, not Again, not complete. Uh, we have some other things in there that I, I don't feel like I want to talk about or I don't feel as equipped to talk about on this episode, specifically like um, big tech companies and their labor practices is one of the losers on our list. So if you have more ideas for what should be on our losers of the year list too, yeah, send it our way, podcast at ingadget.com. <laughs> So, in some actual news this week, uh, something happened with uh, Twitter's privacy changes.
2: Dev? actually, last week. Actually, yeah, last, last week. week. And mm-hmm. the reason the reason I wanted to bring this up is because we talked about Twitter last week, and I I just didn't like make time to talk about this one thing, but. Amid, um, you know, the major changes happening with Twitter, like losing uh, Jack Dorsey and yeah. reconstituting where the company was, yeah. they also announced a new set of privacy changes that would really – the idea was to limit how people share uh, personal information for other people or from other people. So that includes, like, details, addresses, stuff like that, and photos, personal photos. And it seemed like a fine concept that's at the start, but I think a lot of people were immediately like – you're this is gonna be abused, guys. And as soon as people started saying that, a lot of like right wing activists started using that um that limitation on on people from the left, basically, and progressive activists who were like just pointing out, like, hey, this person is part of a Nazi protest. Like, here is what's happening. And yeah, it didn't it did not work out so well. And a lot of counts were ended up being um, I think I think it was suspended. Like they were basically facing consequences for that. And then Twitter addressed it and Twitter was like, Yeah, we're they're aware of how this this particular thing is being abused mm-hmm. and they're gonna do something about it. I just wish uh yeah, you know, I wish Twitter had thought about this in advance. Cause like any security person would have told them, like, hey guys, be really careful with this because it's not it's very, very easy for somebody to like basically, you know, be a troll and abuse like the way this is meant to be used. Yeah. I don't know if you have deeper thoughts on this, Sherlyn.
1: Twitter mm-hmm. think about something in advance, like having Gosh. maybe closed captions for uh-huh. their voice tweets. Uh, you think? Yep. Huh. Sounds like a novel idea. <laughs>
2: Sounds like a novel idea, but yeah, or we'll then. be you know we'll be keeping an eye on this, and uh, hopefully you know yeah, hopefully Twitter is like trying to right the ship and do better things post Dorsey, but we don't we don't really know yet. You know, this is the first major change they announced, and it was kind of it kind of backfired immediately. Yeah.
1: I will say also, I believe this happened on a Friday because it was on my new shift. Uh, the new CEO, uh, Parag Agrawal, I believe, also announced like a major reorganization on Friday. Um, the leads of engineering and design left the team and they're moving to a new like general manager model. And Twitter's been pretty open about this sort of restructuring of the company and they, they believe it will help them move faster and, you know, move forward uh, in a way that should, I don't know, please investors or something like that or or make sure. people feel happier. um we'll, we'll have to see it's know. really a wait and see situation mm-hmm. right now with twitter so moving on to what we're working on Vendra. i think i know what you're working on what's
2: up <laughs> what am i working on i am working on end of your stories i have some like you know some car related things i mm. should write up before the end of the year or two. so it's a it's a bunch of different things but i really just need to i have a big story about like the global chip shortage i'm trying to finish up and yeah. hopefully we'll be up next week yeah
1: yeah, same here. I'm trying to get all my work wrapped before I leave to go home for the first time ever and <laughs> since the pandemic. Uh, and and y'all won't see me uh, next week onwards. So, hey, you know, happy happy holidays, everyone, in advance. But yeah, in the meantime, before that, I have to rush through the year-end stories. We just talked about the best and worst lists, as well as an accessibility roundup that I'm working on, um, and lots of CES prep, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, As always, yeah. this this time of year, it's it's pretty intense. It's That's CES. still
2: happening. We can't escape it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and you're actually you're are you going straight from home to CES or no, Is gonna, that what's happening?
1: I'm gonna try to stop in New York to catch a breather, to, to get some tests done, you know, do some PCR tests while I'm back here and just make sure that everything's good before moving on to Vegas, which is not gonna be great, but I'm gonna I'm gonna make it work, you know? Um Speaking of testing and and international travel and all of that, really brings me right on to our picks of the week. I know this is a very weird segue, but it will make sense. Trust me. (laughs) So I haven't been able to do anything fun because... uh, I, I suck at at having fun on my own, I guess. Uh, but also because I got <laughs> my booster shot on Monday uh-huh. and I was out mm-hmm. for the count on I like the day and, and a half after, um, with side effects. I got the Moderna vaccine uh, booster shot. So that had pretty more serious side effects, I think, than than the Pfizer one, a lot of people said. Um, but the reason I talk about this is because my recommendation for everyone's actually um if your state where you got immunized has an app uh, that allows for digital proof of vaccination or shows you your immunization records, why not? Why not get that? Like, so for me, I would love in, one of those. Yeah, I would
2: love one of those. Yeah.
1: Uh, get. I know I, I feel bad for you, but you know, for me in New Jersey, and for those of you in New York, for me in New Jersey, it's called Docket. Um, the reason I say this is because uh, when you're going on international travel, like I am about to soon, they'll re- like there's no real like vaccine passport system, but different countries except different formats of vaccination and some of my family members who are also flying back for this family important family event a wedding that we all have to attend um some of them got (laughs) it in states that don't have support for this called the smart health card network which is you know more internationally recognized than the co than the cdc a uh, card, a uh, paper card. That's just not recognized. You can't just wave it at an airport and expect to be. I mean, that's what I've been doing here yeah. in
2: New York is like, I've been, you know, I've gone to theaters and like a, some small yes. restaurants. and it's like, gotta yeah. show a car. And this is the only
0: thing. Or I a picture
1: show. of a it's card. a piece of
2: cardboard.
0: Yeah. And,
1: and we know how easy those are to, to mock yeah. up.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. so,
1: so they're, they're not really accepted globally here in the U S you're fine. But if you're looking to travel mm-hmm. internationally anytime soon, uh, Apps like Docket uh, and the Excelsior, well, the Excelsior Pass itself isn't Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. recognized, but if it does generate a QR code that gets you an SHC format card, uh, it'll allow you, it'll be recognized by the smart health card uh, system that... I, I mean, for my specific purposes, yeah. um, that's accepted. So anyway, look into that and hopefully more that's and cool. more states get on this, which will help facilitate. It's almost like
2: we should have a national like way of doing yes, this.
1: Exactly. Like uh, a centralized way. But I was very glad yeah. that like for me, uh, New Jersey, like I got my booster shot and the next day it was in the system. I was like, uh, I asked the person administering my shot. I was like, how long will it take to show up? They're like two weeks. I was like, what? That's a long time. Nah. Next day I got it in the app. Um, that's cool. Very handy. I don't need to carry a card around with me, and it's verifiable um, with a QR code that's generated each time uh, you open the app. So, you know, I'm grateful we live in a technologically modern world. Devendra, please tell me what TV shows I should watch.
2: <laughs> what TV shows? I mean, there, there's a lot of TV, and I'm actually I'm working on the list of things you should be watching over the holidays, so look out for that. They'll be going up soon. But the movie I just wanted to shout out this week is a movie called Drive My Car, Mm-hmm. Uh, directed by Ryosuke Hamaguchi. Uh, the real reason I was re- into this is because it's an adaptation of a Haruki Murakami story. He's one of my favorite authors, so I'm just really interested in seeing like everything that gets kind of based off of his stories. This is a movie about a guy, um, a state, an actor and director who. um He's living a happily married life and then his uh, his wife dies all of a sudden. And it's really a grieving process movie about him traveling to another city, uh, I believe, to um, to Hiroshima from Tokyo and just putting on a play there. But also him dealing with losing his wife and kind of what it means. It's a movie about you know, life. It's a movie about like infidelity and how you remember the people that you lose and things like that. It's also three hours long. It's just like a slow burn of a three hour long movie and I absolutely loved it Mm. Uh, honestly as soon as I got to New York this week like I had I did I did the work I needed to do and I was like I have no plans tonight I'm going to go see some movies so I immediately like booked a ticket for this and licorice pizza and I just saw them one after another I didn't really like licorice pizza that as much like that is the one getting all the hype right now this movie though I I think is incredible so if you like good slow burn human dramas uh, it's beautiful it's really meditative. I think it's worth watching. It's called Drive My Car. Um, it's available in limited release right now, but it's probably going to be on video on demand within a month or so. That's it for the show. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own managing editor, Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elment. You can find me online at at Devendra on Twitter, and I podcast about movies and TV at, the Filmcast at thefilmcast.com. And you can find Sherlyn at
1: uh, if you're going to be in Singapore and you're a Singaporean <laughs> and you somehow think my work's fine, uh, you can don't
2: invite me. don't invite this. What are you doing <laughs> on
1: Twitter at Sherlyn Lowe.
2: Great, great. Email us at podcast at engadget.com. Leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe on anything that gets podcasts, including Spotify. We're out, folks. We'd like to take a second to thank our sponsor, Mouser Electronics. Not only does Mouser stock the world's widest selection of semiconductors and electronic components, they also offer an original content series called Empowering Innovation Together. EIT takes a deep dive into the hottest tech trends, and this month the focus is on industrial automation. Check out podcasts, articles, infographics, videos, and more at mouser.com slash empowering innovation.
1: Get out, you're Band. Very bad joke. I'm kidding.